Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Candid Life Lesson Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about grieving, more specifically, the different stages of grieving and how it can impact you, your family, and your friends. Hopefully, this will provide you with a different perspective on what you or your loved ones may be experiencing. Before we do get into today's episode, please do me a favor. If you could like, share, follow, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. This has been one of the hardest topics we've ever had to discuss, so you'll definitely want to stick around for this one. I hope this topic reaches you well. Now let's go ahead and get started in today's episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We have a special guest. My beautiful wife, Esther, is joining us for our second podcast episode. How are you doing today? I'm super excited. Yeah, this is a a tough subject that we're going to get into today. I know we've thought about this podcast for a little while now. We're coming up on almost a year since your mom has passed. It's been probably one of the most challenging times in our marriage and in our family's life. So I appreciate you joining and really opening up your heart and speaking about this topic because I know it's been a very touchy subject for all of us. I'm interested to see where this leads. So I think we got to kind of tell the story of what happened and, and I guess the process of how everything came to. Yeah. Um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer in February. She went through four really hardcore treatments of chemo, which was really hard on her. And it was really hard to watch. Um, She successfully finished her four rounds and the doctors gave her recovery time. After that, they gave her a little bit of um, radiation and then they had surgery and they cleared her for, she was cancer free. And then 2021 is when we found out that she had non-alcoholic sores of the liver due to all the chemo and radiation. And in the same month as we found out she had cancer the following year, um, we found out that she had six months to a year left. And unfortunately, she didn't even make it to three because she died April 3rd of 2021. Yeah, that was a a long stretch. You know, a lot of emotional... Ups and downs, definitely a big roller coaster of emotion because there were times where we thought she was going to make it and she was looking good. And then there would yeah. be times where it turned and things started looking worse. Um, so it was just a, a constant battle of up and down. Yeah. And, and watching you go through that was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to see you do. Yeah. Most difficult things I've had to do in my entire life is watching this strong independent, doesn't want help from nobody, you know, asking for all the help that she can get towards the end. Because even in the very beginning when she started going through chemo and, and, you know, when she found out that she had cancer, she's like, I got this, you know, I'm going to make cancer my, my bitch. And, and she did, you know, she, she fought chemo good. She went through chemo gracefully and she was, she was amazing to watch. And um, unfortunately, you know, just the hard chemo just got the best of her. You know what I what I think? Not that any time is a good time to have cancer or a bad time is a bad time to have cancer. I think any time you get it, it's it's bad. But what made it harder, I guess, to watch was we had to watch from a distance the entire time. Yeah. 
because of COVID. That was really hard because, you know, like I said, she was diagnosed February 2020. And, you know, I was able to go with her to her first chemo because when she was diagnosed a week later, they started her on chemo. Um, But then in March, early March, that's when they shut the whole world completely down. And I couldn't go with her because I had every intention to be there with her through all the chemo and radiation and surgery and all of that. And I couldn't. And it was... It was so hard having just to know her go through that by herself alone and something so scary and something nobody should have to go alone through. And she had to do it. Yeah. Well, even like the physical touch, you, you couldn't yeah. touch her, couldn't even you hug couldn't her. help her. Yeah. You couldn't embrace her when she yeah. was feeling down. It was something that she literally had to go through by herself the entire first year of going through it. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And you want to talk about how that process was for you? How how were you feeling during that time? So during that process, it was really overwhelming because not only did I want to help take care of my mom, but I also had three kids that I had to take care of. You know, like I said, the whole world shut down, which means school shut down for everybody. Um, Jobs pretty much shut down. So I had to become the teacher. I had to become the janitor. I had to become the counselor and navigating through that with the kids and their emotional state of mind um, with not being able to see their friends, with not understanding what their assignments are. Not to mention I had a two-year-old who was not acclimated with no one. So she was always just around us. Um, It was extremely hard navigating through that and then knowing that I couldn't be with my mom at the most difficult time of her life was really hard. And then knowing you had to go out to work, you know, and I'm freaking out because it's like, I don't want you coming into the house with all your germs and your COVID self. And I, you know, made you sleep on the sofa and I was worried about that. And, you know, cause all of us are clean. We're, we stay inside, you know, and then worst case scenario, I had to go and see my mom because she needed help with something or, I didn't want to bring those germs to my mom because my mom was under such a microscope of illnesses that she could potentially get. I didn't want to bring any of that. So I know I had to distance myself away from you, which was extremely hard. But even also I had to distance myself away from the kids too, because kids are always on you and they're, they're just kids. So navigating through that time of my life with my personal life, with the kids, with my personal life with you and my personal life with my mom was, was extremely hard. I think the, the most challenging part of watching you go through that. And and I felt hopeless a lot of times because I still had to go into work every day. You know, I couldn't stay home and help you manage the kids. When I came home, I tried to do the best that I could, you know, to try to help minimize things that you needed to do, whether it be cleaning the house or trying to take care of the kids as much as I could. Um, to give you a little bit of that time, but you really had no free time most of the most of the days. It was no, constant didn't. go all the time, worrying about the kids and what they're doing, and then throughout the day also worrying about your mom. And there'd be times where y'all would be on the phone for two, three, four hours because she couldn't do anything else. Yeah, we we you know obviously my mom and I had a really tough relationship, you know, growing up and. It wasn't the, you know, ideal mother-daughter loving relationship, but when she got sick, that changed really quickly. You know, you know, I went from talking to her maybe once a day, maybe once every two days, a text message here and there, to I was on the phone with her 
it felt like 24 seven, you know, because that's all I could do. That's all she could do. We were the only two people re- really could see. Um, and that, and we FaceTimed all the time. So when I ate dinner, she ate dinner with me when, you know, I was just watching TV, we were watching TV together. Sometimes we'd be watching the same things and that was our way of bonding. And that, that was hard. I, I couldn't physically be there with her. And I, I had, I had no time, but I had time and I, and I felt bad for you too. Cause I, I know you had just started your position too, with your, your new, with your new position at your job. I knew that you were under a lot of pressure, a lot of learning. And I didn't want to do anything to derail you from that. And listening to you, when you would talk about work, it was, I felt really bad because here I am, like, I know you're stressed out at work, but I'm over here like laying on all my problems as well. And I know that's what we do as spouses, but at the same time, it's like, I need to absorb all of this for, for me. So I don't have to put all of that on you. You worry about your stuff at work. And I'll be the support system that I need to be. So you don't have to worry about me so much. But deep down inside, I just, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how I was going to get to the next day. And as it got worse, the more I felt helpless, hopeless, and lost. And I felt just drained all the time. Yeah. And and I remember, again, you going through this process and, you know, I tried my best to also minimize the things that I would say because yeah. I didn't want to unload and knowing that you're going through everything. And so we, we spent many nights just talking through and trying to get you to open up and share as much as you, you know, you were willing to, I guess yeah. at the time, but it just kind of seemed like you weren't even sure what you were trying to process. And I didn't, I, I had no idea, you know, you hear cancer and it's like, crap, they're going to die. You know, in my head, that's what I think. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people survive cancer and that that's amazing, but a lot of people don't. And when I heard that she had it, like, okay, she, she can survive this, but she still has a chance of dying. And that always scared me. So when we found out, I wanted to make sure I was there front and center. I didn't want to miss anything. And then of course that didn't happen. And just, it was just a constant worry but I didn't want to worry you. I didn't want to worry the kids. I didn't, I, you know, I don't want to have to be a burden on having to take care of me because you, you are always trying to take care of us. Like I didn't, I didn't feel right having to do that, to derail that. And if anything, I was trying to (laughs) take care of you and you wouldn't let me take care of you, which made it even more difficult Yeah, because I'm, trying to be as supportive as I can listen and, you know, again, try to help with the workload around the house. And, you know, I think for you, a lot of it kind of seemed like the busy work just kind of helped you yeah, stay focused. Yeah. And what, what, you a lot of that, off. you're right. It, it did. Because the more I kept myself busy, the more I didn't have to think about what was happening right in front of me. I didn't have to feel the hurt and the panic and just the, just sheer feeling of just lost. And if I shared that, then that made that too damn real. And that scared the shit out of me. I felt like it would get too heavy. And then I felt like I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to bring myself out of that emotion. And I didn't have time for that. I had kids to take care of. I had a husband to make sure he's not losing his shit. I had a mother to take care of. Like, you know, and I'm not saying I did this all by myself. Like I have my brother who 
helped just as much as I did. And he was amazing. He lives with her. Um, but he also, he also works a lot, but he did help out a lot as well. So I didn't do this by myself. I, I'm not making it sound like I did, but it was, it was really hard. And, and for a time he was probably managing this by himself too, when COVID hit, because he did live with her. So he was having to deal with her at home. I was dealing with her from a distance. So we, we tried our best, even though it didn't feel like it. Yeah. And so you had mentioned uh, earlier that we got the diagnosis after she had already finished her chemo and radiation that she had three to six months to live Yeah, and made it, I think about two, like either just under two or right at two. She was diagnosed February 3rd and she died April 3rd. So two months. Yeah. Two months. And I just wanted to to ask, because I don't think it's easy no matter what, but did you find it when the time came, it was a little bit easier because you knew it was coming or would you have preferred not knowing and it happening? Um, in my experience, because everybody's different, I had watched her die for two months. So leading up to when she actually did die, I felt, and I know happy is not the right word, but I felt relieved that she was no longer feeling what she was feeling because she was in a massive amount of pain. And when she did die, I felt that she was finally released of all this pain. So do I feel like it was harder? I felt like it was harder watching her slowly die because if it happens instant, you know, you don't see the pain, you don't see what they're going through. It's just an instant kind of thing. That's in my opinion, that's in my experience. And I think we were watching her die before we found out that she was actually dying because we saw that she was getting worse. We just didn't know why. And we'd always assume that maybe, you know, if she's getting worse, it's, it's curable, but it wasn't. And I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that she was, that she was dying. And I, and I grieved while she was still alive. I, I grieved for a while while she was dying because I saw her every day for three months. Every day I saw her. Even days that I wasn't even meaning to see her, I saw her. Because something would happen. Yep. I remember getting home and I'm like, go ahead, go do, do what you need to do. Go take care of your mom or go spend time with her. Go spend an hour, two hours yeah, um, or however long you needed while, you know, I stayed home with the kids. And-, and I felt so guilty doing that too. I felt I'm just dumping this life on you, but I still felt like, you know, you just got off of work. You have this new job and you have these kids that are just nuts and they're just tired of being inside because we were stuck in our COVID world and I would just leave. So for me, I felt bad for you, but at the same time I was leaving one chaos to another chaos. You know, it was, it was a nutty time. And I I remember you always telling me, don't feel bad, you know, just go take care of your mom, spend time with her, especially when we did find out that she was dying. You always made a point to tell me that it's okay. Like, don't, don't worry about us. And, but I still did. I still worried about you guys. And I missed you guys. I felt like I never saw you guys because I was with my mom all the time, which I did enjoy being with my mom because, again, we created a bond that I never thought we would ever have in my entire life. But at the same time, I missed you guys because even though sometimes I was home, I was still on the phone with her. So I still wasn't with you guys. And so when it finally came and she passed, it was it was extremely difficult to watch you and the kids 
go through that process. And surprisingly, right? I, I mean, we've been together for a long time, you know, at I think what at that point, 18 years. Yeah. And your mother's been a very difficult woman. <laughs> no. From the beginning. Never. And so we didn't have the greatest relationship, but right. I think we had a mutual respect for each other right. most of the time. Right. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. But the last two years, so when she got diagnosed, um, that whole year and then, you know, the, well, maybe about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, I just got to know a different version of your mother and, and yeah. you know, we, and, and we also connected, you know, in ways that I never thought that me and her would. Never thought I would see the day. Yeah. And so when she passed, it hit me. I, I didn't expect it. I don't think she would have expected it. <laughs> But yeah, you, you know, I guess, you know, again, you've been around somebody for 18 years and, you know, watching you and the boys, you know, go through that and again, just the emotional roller coaster of the unknown to then, you know, it finally happening. And it was, it was so hard for me to have to, me personally, right on just on my side of it, because I, I couldn't, I couldn't fix anything. I couldn't help you. There and that's some, the problem, right? Like that's, you're a fixer. You are a fixer, and this is the one thing you couldn't fix. There wasn't anything that I could say. wasn't anything I could do or cook you a meal or, you know, something to, you know, take that pain away. It was just a, a constant emotional state that you guys were in. And all I could do, it felt like, was just watch from the sidelines and be ready whenever I could in case you needed something or you asked for something to just give you that kind of support that you needed, you know, whatever whatever it may have been. But that was tough. And it still is because obviously, you know, we're coming up on a year now. We're about a month away or a couple of weeks actually away from it being an entire year. And it's, it's been rough on all of us. Yeah, it has been. I think we're at a point now where we're starting to semi function normally as a family. I don't think we've gotten used still to the fact that she, you know, that she's passed. I know there's been times or, well, I'm sure it's every day, but there's times where it's a little bit more noticeable when you have some triggers, whether it be a song that comes on, somebody says one thing that just kind of reminds you, even when we're driving down the street sometimes and we pass by a building that, you know, either you took your mom to or you just kind of have a, a memory of. Um, and then again, not to mention your brother still lives in, in the house that your mom passed in because she, she gave it to him. Sometimes having to pick up the kids and passing by the house or driving down those streets, you know, I still see sometimes that it, it weighs very heavy on you. Yeah, it does. Um, so yeah, every day it hurts. Every day I think about her. Every day. There's not one day that since she's died, I haven't thought about her. I think about her every day. And you're right. I want, you know, some days hurt more than others. Um, in the very beginning, it was extremely tough because I went from talking to her every day, texting her every day. She would text me these silly selfies every morning to tell me how she was feeling. And in those selfies, I could tell if that was going to be a bad day or a good day. And I got used to those selfies. I got used to seeing them every morning. Or I, I'd get them super early in the morning and, you know, sometimes the baby would wake up or I would have to go to the bathroom. So I would check my phone to see if she's messaged me, if she's called me. Um, and I would see those selfies in the very early morning. So when she, when she did die, I would immediately reach for my phone. And cause if something happened, I wanted to tell her, you know, if, if something happened, 
I wanted to share that news with her. Even the day we went to go shopping for our funeral clothes, I wanted to call her and show her my dress and my, my shoes. I knew she would hate my dress, but she would love my shoes. And I wanted to call her and I wanted to tell her. And for the first few months, I did that. I would reach for my phone and forget like, shit, she's dead. Like, I can't, I can't, she's not here. And eventually that, you know, it doesn't occur as often. It still happens. I did catch myself when you did get your new position just recently. I reached, I wanted, as soon as I got off the phone with you, I wanted to call her and tell her because I knew she'd be so proud of you and you should be so happy for you. And I did that and I, and I, I was looking for her number and then I remembered. So it doesn't happen as often as it used to, but, but it does happen. And, and you grieve in, in different ways each day. Sometimes you grieve and you're happy and, and you're sad, but you're still happy because you're remembering the amazing times you have with her, with that person. And then there are some days where you're feeling like you're absolute crappiest and you just wish that you could just call that person and just tell them how crappy your day is. But in my mom's true form, she would never let me talk enough about myself. So she would always interrupt me and start talking about herself. But that got my mind off of my own shit that I was dealing with in my own head. Because in, in the bigger picture, she's the one who was sick. She was the one dying. She was the one who needed the most at that time. And I would immediately stop my bitching and my whining and just hear her and listen to her. And she always made me feel better and always ended up making me laugh because it was always Cora's world. And that's the world we lived in when she was alive. So I was uh, reading up on grieving and mourning and just the, the, the process that everybody kind of goes through and there's different stages of grieving. Like if you go online and look it up, there's some that have five stages of grieving, seven stages, 12 stages. Right. So, I mean, I, I think everybody has their own versions of, but I narrowed down to probably the top five, I guess, stages of grieving. And so I kind of wanted to read some of those to you and then just talk through some of it. Okay. So one of the stages is denial, numbness, and shock. All in one, so I basically just denial of the process. Um, bargaining, which basically kind of, this stage is like a grief of maybe marked by like persistent thoughts of, you know, could have been done to prevent this, or this is what I would have done to prevent this, or if I would have only done this. Depression is another stage. That's a big one. Anger and a, and acceptance. So have you experienced all five of these stages at this point? I feel like I'm finally getting over the, the, the acceptance. Um, I think all the other ones, I feel like I went through them while she was alive. What was the first one? The denial. Denial. Yeah. I feel, the, no, she's going to be, she's going to be fine. You know, the, the day she said, you know, that's what the doctor said. no. No, no, no. Let's let's wait it out. Let's get two, three, four more opinions and and go from there. Like, no, let's not. Let's not give up. And then bargaining is <laughs> I became very adamant in in asking 
and please, if, if you just let her live and just please, if you just telling myself that if you, I'll, I'll do anything or I'll, I'll just help her, you know, just don't let her die. You know, I want to go back to denial really quick. Yeah. Because I, I think everybody kind of, I mean, that, not that there's any of these, like it, it goes in, there's no order to no, them. There's no order. But I do feel like denial is, if you were to put something in order, I would probably think denial would be at the top of that list as far as what you would experience first. Um, one of the things that I read on this denial, numbness, and shock piece of it is that for some people, it can come across as if they don't care. And that, yeah, I would say that would fall more under your, your brother when, yeah. when he experienced, you know, hearing the news of, you know, her only having three to six months. It almost felt like, okay, sure. You know what? Yeah. What, it, it, okay, and for what, a, what's next? For a piece of it, it felt like he didn't care. Even when my mom told him, no, I'm dying. <laughs> His face was just blank. Like he didn't care. And then I remember when he walked off, um, she felt so heartbroken because he didn't show more emotion, but that's not who he is. You know, with me, I'm, I want to cater and take care and I'm a nurturer. So when she told me my first instinct was, what can I do? What do I need to do? And oh my God, this is hard for me. But with my brother, yeah, you're right. It, you know, it, it, it seemed like he didn't care, but I know he did very much. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to point it out because I'm sure other people probably maybe express it the same way. Yeah. And I, I can see some people may like, man, you just don't care enough. And, and it's not, it's not that it's not that it's just their denial shockness of the, the situation and them just trying to figure out how they want to process it. Was there any one of these that has been the most difficult for you to deal with? I think the bargaining is what was the hardest because you do anything to not let this happen to anybody, especially with someone that you love. So I felt my vulnerable at the bargaining and the acceptance was more, was more, I knew this was coming. I knew that it was inevitable. I would, I, you know, to being an out, outside looking, looking at it, right. Just watching you and observing. I would say you, you went through a lot of these stages simultaneously. One day you could literally go through two, three, four of these emotions yeah. In, yeah. in just one day. You know, I think it was roughly around the six month mark is when I started to see you kind of compartmentalize them a little bit better. It was easier for you to, to separate the feeling. Well, with that, I, I can't take all the credit. Um, you know, seeing a grieving counselor really put things in perspective. I, I didn't know that, that was a thing, you know, grieving counselor, grieving therapist. Um, one of my good friends told me about it and referred this really, really very kind lady to me. And I held on to her number for a few days. And I, I remember telling you that I think I, I think I want to do this because I knew I could share how I felt with you, but you know, even talking to your loved one and your spouse, sometimes you still feel kind of limited and, and subconsciously, you, you feel like maybe you're going to be judged and maybe you feel like you just can't really release and you need an unbiased opinion or an unbiased outlook. So I reached out to her and she was so sweet. I think 
talking with her, she, you know, we, it was an eight week process. And I thought I was going to go into this with such a closed heart um, because it just had just happened. I think it was maybe like maybe a month later after my mom died. And when she explained the process to me of what we were going to be doing, it was a very personal experience that I was going to have to have with her. And that, that scared me and it was intimidating, but she made the process so easy and I was so comfortable with her. And she shared experiences with me as well to make me feel comfortable. I think that was the biggest thing for me was when you went to go see her, like I haven't lost a parent, right? And, and my grandparents, I was young when I, I was probably what, sixth grade, I think is when I lost, um, my grandma. So it was like sixth, seventh grade. So I haven't lost anybody in like my adult life. And your mom was the first one that I could, you know, really remember and feel like the emotion, yeah, the, the heaviness of it. Yeah. And what made you going to this counselor, I guess, easier for me was that you had somebody that you could share that with. Yeah. You know, you had somebody that has gone through that and has experience in that piece to where you could, again, talk and express and that person know exactly what you're feeling and and be able to share their thoughts on how they felt. And so there was there was that bond that you could connect with that I could not give you. So Yeah, she um she was amazing. Um what the class taught me because I, I was doing and I didn't realize I was doing it before I started to see her is when I would cry or I would feel a certain way or express to you how I was feeling immediately afterwards I would say I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to cry, or I'm sorry, I don't mean to unload, or I'm sorry, I don't, I'm sorry. And it's one of the first things you learn is you don't need to say sorry for grieving, for feeling pain, for feeling sad, for crying. And you don't need to hide how you're feeling from those that you love, especially your husband, especially your kids, because they learn from that. And I didn't realize I was doing that to you guys. You know, I would just, I would start tearing up and it's like, okay, no, I can't, I can't let them see me like this. I can't let them see my weakness this much because then if I fall apart, they're going to fall apart. And I was jumping to conclusions that y'all couldn't handle it and that I, I shouldn't have done that. I needed to just let myself go and let y'all be there to hear what I have to say even though it's hard, even though it's tough and uncomfortable. She um, helped me to understand and know that it's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to talk about the ugly things that you remember. And it's okay to talk about the good things that you remember. And that it's okay to share them with your kids. It's okay to share them with you. Yeah, I think what I loved about the grieving counselor process and i'm so grateful for your friend to even suggest it because yeah. it wouldn't have been something that i would have even thought of me neither but what i loved about it if anybody is on the fence if they should or should not do it i would highly recommend it highly not, recommend not it. just for the person going through it but also for the person their support system yeah. because it helped me be able to kind of label some of the things that you were going through and so and, and even for you too, like you knew, okay, obviously anger, right? You know when somebody's angry, but just understanding that 
everybody, you know, experiences it. Everybody kind of goes through it differently. And the anger sometimes, especially, and I think it was evident in your situation was that it was like childhood scars yeah. that you were having to all childhood overcome. trauma and scars. Absolutely. And so I think going through this process, a lot of the exercises that you would come home and tell me about, you were diving into a lot of your old childhood memories and, and trying to understand why you were really angry instead of, I guess it just helped you control it or, or navigate through it, I think a little bit easier. Yeah, I, I, that was, that threw me for a loop because I didn't know we were going to go so far deep into trauma and history because it plays a factor in how you grieve and how you communicate that with your loved ones. And when we would go into these assignments, it's like, okay, that's personal. But I mean, how much more personal can you get when it comes to grieving and death? You know, that's all personal. So having to remember the things that would trigger me, the things that my mom and I went through, but not even just the things that my mom and I went through. It's the things that I went through alone, but it all linked back up to my mom. And and it's not like blame your mom for this. It was just for this particular assignment that we focus on one person. You can, you can grieve a multitude of things. You can grieve losing a job. You can grieve losing a child. You can grieve losing a parent. There's multiple things you can grieve for, but my main goal and my main thing was to resolve the things with my mom. So all roads in my assignment and in my grieving class led back to my mom. And going through all of that, there was a lot of baggage and a lot of history and a lot of scars and wounds that I didn't realize that were still open, but she helped me along the way. And then, like I said, and then going back, I, I didn't realize I was angry. I was mad, but not that she died, not that, you know, she was sick, not that she was, you know, she had cancer. How dare you get cancer? It was nothing like that. It was just, I was angry because I didn't get to have more time with the woman I got to know the last six months to a year of her life. That's what I was angry with. And I didn't realize how angry I was with her at that until I went to grieving counseling. And I think what I've learned through this process myself is kind of take a step back and think about how I was approaching the situation. So there would be times where you would tell me how you're feeling. And like you mentioned earlier, I like to fix things like I want to fix. And so I would sit there and try to tell you how you should feel versus just taking that step back and just listening. This is not my time to sit here and share my thoughts or, Hey, you know what? At least, you know, she's in a better place. And, you know, I think those are, common things that you hear all the time that people share with other people and you just don't realize, you know, what you're saying and and how much it impacts you until you kind of go through it yourself. You kind of understand what it is that you are saying. Yeah. Those were things that I realized that I'm not the only one grieving, you're grieving as well. So some of the things that I took from her, you know, allowed me to look at your perspective and you lost somebody too, but you're also watching your wife go through this difficult time. And I, and not being selfish on purpose, you know, like I lost my mom. It's me who's hurting. And maybe for a while I did think that I'm the one who is suffering, but I'm not, I wasn't the only one suffering. I had to take a step back and look at that. And while, and that helped me in grieving class to realize that's what I was doing. It's not, I was living in Cora's world. It's all about Esther and and it's, that's not the case. 
And that I that's the part I did love about going is it showed me to look from your perspective too. So you talked earlier about you can grieve multiple things. And I think one of the things that I was grieving during this process was our connection and and the family life that we had prior to which I know can sound selfish. No, um, it's not selfish that, but, at all. But you know, I, I miss the times that we can just sit there and talk and just talk about random things that didn't matter. And and as your mom was going through this process, obviously those conversations got heavier. There was a lot more stress going on on both ends. You know, you having to manage the kids at home while I was at work. And then when I came home, you go to your mom's and having to manage through that. And so we lost a lot of that connection that we had. Yeah, we went, we went from a life that was very, a very carefree, very connected family. We communicate all the time. And we express how we feel with each other all the time. And that changed the dynamic. You know, with my mom going through all that stuff, you know, that definitely changed the way we are, the way we were with each other. Not in in a, like we were yelling at each other kind of way. It was just more the distance between us. It felt like you were on the other side of the planet sometimes and vice versa. Because you're, you're such in different places at that time. And such different feelings that I don't know what you were feeling. You don't know what I was feeling. And we didn't have time to feel. We had we had to just think and just get through the day. Or at least that was my take on things. Because if I thought too much, it would just break me down. And I wouldn't be able to pick myself back up. Yeah. And I think what some people probably don't talk about in a relationship is you also lose that intimacy. Yeah. Because for, I think probably more for women, you know, getting into the mood and having intimacy, it's more of a feeling and you got to be in that emotional state of mind. For sure. And you having going through everything you're going through, like there's no way that you're even thinking about that. It wasn't even in the slight in my radar whatsoever. It was not even a thought and if you even tried to look at me any type of way, we're, we were shutting that down really quick. And I, I just didn't have the time, nor the energy, nor the confidence in myself to feel that way. I felt very broken. Every piece of me shattered, just broken. That how could you possibly see me in that light when I feel so just, I felt like a disaster. So getting into that type of mood, absolutely freaking not. That was not happening, sir. So, so far in this experience that we've been going through, what has been, I guess, the biggest takeaway that you've learned about yourself? I used to think that I expressed myself enough. And in this process, I realized I don't. And I need to definitely work on that more. Not just with grieving and death, and but just in general. I have a tendency to not sweep things under the rug, but it's like, you know what? We'll figure it out. Like, you know, shove those feelings down a little bit. I'll get over it and move on. And I thought in a time like this where you probably could get away with most of the feelings that come your way, I just shove that shit down and I'll deal with that later. And and I would store that in a filing cabinet deep down in my brain save it for another day. But unfortunately that filing cabinet got so shoved that all the papers and envelopes were just flying everywhere. And there were days where 
I was just a, just a, a flaming hot mess. And I feel for you on those days because that still happens. You know, to this day, it still happens. And I just, I realize that I'm not a big, big sharer sometimes because I, I don't want to worry you. I know because my mind is a crazy mind to be in. You know, I, I have all kinds of thoughts in my head all the time. And I know if I mention certain things or how I'm feeling, you're, you're going to want to fix it. I don't need you to fix me. I just need you to listen. But on those days where I'm feeling like that, I'm scared to tell you because I don't want you to worry about me. Yeah. I think for me, what I've learned going through this process is that I tend to share my opinion a little too much. (laughs) And I got to do a better job of listening. And and I I think I've gotten better since the beginning of this. I've I've learned a lot about myself. And, And I think some of it, because of what I do at work, I think plays a factor in why I always need to feel the need to share my thoughts and getting you on the same level of understanding of where I'm at. Um, But sometimes I I need to do a better job of just stop, listen, and just absorb. And you are very much, again, somebody who reacts emotionally and, and I need to be ready to respond from an emotional standpoint and not from a logical standpoint of, well, here, let me help you rationalize. Yeah, you were you feeling. were no you were not shy with those ras- rationalization thoughts, and and I would listen because who knows maybe I needed to hear it, you know. But at the same time, we went, we were talking about earlier what people can say that just like really we're we're gonna say that like you know you at least you got to have more time with her or you know what was the other one that what people would say. Now that now I can't even think about what people say, but she's in a better place. She's in a better place. She's in a better place. And it's like, well, no shit. Duh. Like, did you not see her? She was screaming her head off, you know, when she was here. I know she's in a better place. She's not in pain anymore, but I don't want to hear that. I want to hear cry, girl. Go ahead. Let it out. Like, I don't feel bad. Just, just let it out. I don't want to hear she's in a better place. I don't want to hear you. At least you got some time with her. At least you got to see the real her, you know, just, and just stuff like that. It's just not helpful, not helpful comments. And when you hear it over and over again, and, and people are just trying to sympathize with you and they're just offering their condolences. But when you hear it often enough, it, it's super annoying. And well, that that's where for me, the listening part, right? Because I would almost by telling you something, I was almost suppressing yeah. How you were feeling yeah. by saying something, you know, along the lines of like, um, you got to be strong. And, yeah, and that's another one. And, you know, don't don't worry, you know, don't let the kids see you crying. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. Those are those are things that in the beginning I didn't realize. But as we, you know, went through the process, you know, it's something that I'm like, man, I didn't realize how much I was suppressing how you were feeling throughout that. that yeah, at least sure. the beginning of it. Especially just um, not letting the kids see me cry. Why? Why can't I let them see me cry? If I'm not showing that I'm vulnerable, how are they expected to be vulnerable themselves and let me in if I don't even let them in? And that was that was really hard. That was a tough thing to do because, you know, I'm their mom. I'm supposed to be strong. I'm supposed to put on this face that I can conquer anything in the world. Who is going to tear me down? Nobody's going to tear me down. Nobody. And then they see me vulnerable like this. And that was that was scary to show them. But in the end... When I did, the reward was more than what I could have ever expected because they let down their walls with me. 
And we are able to talk about my mom and remember so much of the good things and the bad, which we laugh about more than anything. But they know that it's okay to talk about her. It's okay to cry for her um, and not keep it in. So that was that was an interesting thing to do as far as that. All right. So we're we're towards the end of our session today. And I wanted to ask you before we go, what would you recommend that somebody do if if I know somebody's going through this grieving process, whether, you know, me being the spouse or a friend, um, a loved one that's going through this process, what would you think would be the best thing that they could do to help them go through this journey? First, I would recommend seeing a grieving counselor. Because that helps tremendously, even though you may think, again, they're not going to fix you and they're not going to make the pain go away, but they will show you how to grieve in a way that works for you and the rest of your family. And if you get a really good one like mine, she will, they will help you in ways that you never would have thought they would have. For the person on the other end of the grieving, the spouse who has to see this day in and day out with their children and their spouse, my best advice is for them to just listen Listen with an open heart and open ears and try their best not to judge and put their input and try to fix things because they're not going to fix it. And for the person who's grieving, um, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. Whatever it is that you're going through, it's okay. And as much as it hurts and, and there's pain, there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. If you allow those people to help you that are in your life and you continue to work with them and, and communicate with them, it will be okay. Well, I appreciate everybody who has stuck with us through this episode. I know it was heavy and it was, it was a tough conversation to have. It was a long time coming for us. I think we contemplated having this conversation for a few months. Yeah. And so I appreciate you being able to openly share your thoughts and how you felt and, you, you know, just sharing your journey of going through this. I think it went a lot better than what I thought you thought it would be. <laughs> so, you know, again, the, the one thing I want everybody to kind of, again, be aware of is just educate yourself in this grieving process. You know, whether it be watching YouTube videos, reading books, talking to people that have kind of gone through the process, create that self-awareness for yourself and for the other person. Um, Maybe you don't want to be the one to to bring that self-awareness, but again, maybe suggest um, some resources or options that they may have to kind of help them go through this and guide them through it. And just remember, you're not alone. Everybody goes through this at some point in their life. And if you're going through this right now, just know that there's somebody else going through it and, and you're going through it together. You're not alone. In it. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. If you found value in this episode, please make sure you share. Um, don't forget to go on to any podcast site that you're on and like and love and share whatever you need to do to get more people listening. But I appreciate everybody. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye.